Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Crystal, crystal, crystal. Let me make this crystal clear that Crystal Carnahan is an amazing person. And what you're about to hear with Crystal's interview is going to confirm that. Great stories, wonderfully kind and giving heart. I've talked with Crystal several times on the phone, and uh, her energy and her goodness and her kindness just really come through. And I think you guys are going to feel that as well. And Crystal is someone that I've enjoyed getting to know and thought she'd be great for you guys to get to know. So Crystal uh, has done some really cool things in the areas of mindfulness and um, peacefulness, meditation, uh, breath work, uh, yoga, and uh, you can check out everything that she's doing on the show notes. But I'm really, really loving that Crystal decided to be on the show and that I get to introduce her to everyone, all of our listeners here. So, please welcome me in introducing Crystal Carnahan. All right. Do we hear each other now? I think so. Oh, man, we did it. We did it. (laughs) We did it. We We totally made it. A little malfunction, but that's okay. That's all right. There's a, a first time for everything, right? Yes. And you know what? I can <laughs> I could trim it in the beginning. So the, the two other takes, they just get erased. This okay. one, I just go into the beginning and get rid of that kind of dead air in the beginning. Sounds good. You sound very clear. Sound very wonderful as usual. And likewise. Thank you. I'm, awesome. I'm just excited and and happy to be speaking with you. And it's always um, very enlightening to connect. And I just appreciate uh, you having me on. It was my pleasure. I figured today with you, I was very excited to, one, ask you to come on the show. And two, I figured we could talk about mysteries of life. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We could dive deeper into things. I have some things I would love to discuss with you, but... I would like to get an update just how you're doing. How are things with you? Things are wonderful. Um, Thank you for asking. Uh, Of course. They are aligning and, um, you know, there's always uh, awareness and reflection. And I think that uh, part of learning and being open to receiving you know, what comes is that reflection. And, and I'm, I'm enjoying, I do get a little frustrated because I, I, you know, I'm stubborn and I kind mm-hmm. of, I want things now. Um, yet <laughs> a very human experience. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and I, I'm accepting that and, uh, and working with it. So, so all is well. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you know, it's funny. I was coming over here I got back to my house. So I was taking my daughter to her swim lessons. And when I, it takes about 20, 25 minutes to get there. 
to listen to other podcasts. I love podcasts. And I've been listening to Deepak Chopra's Infinite, Infinite podcast. It's very good. I highly recommend it. I think someone like yourself would very much be into it. Oh, yes. And he says this phrase over and over again. And I would like for you to comment on it that uh, we are spiritual beings that are having a human experience. What do you think about that when I say that? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, the word spiritual. And I think that sometimes that gets confused with religion and Mm -hmm. it gets um, confused in a sense that there has to be almost a, uh, an organized kind of religion. And, and Mm -hmm. the way that I take that phrase, which is an absolutely amazing um, phrase is there is something completely larger than, than us, whatever that means to whoever is, is thinking it, Um, you know, it could be, the universe, it could be a God, it could be, um, you know, a little rock, whatever, whatever is larger than you in the space that you're in. And the physical body that we're in gets to kind of experience that in such a way that I don't think we quite understand. And I think it's a little overwhelming. And so we try to control it. And our spirit and our energy is like, just, you know, calm and, and release and everything will be okay. So how do you feel we try to control that? Oh, gosh. Um, through many ways. Um, through anything that we, anything that we can do or put in our bodies or put onto ourselves that um, gives us that release versus really kind of turning inward and allowing, allowing the energy to happen. So for instance, um, I was disconnected in a way and I didn't quite understand it and I didn't know what was happening. And, um, I turned to alcohol and that was, Mm -hmm. um, that was something that I could control for until I couldn't control it. Right. Yeah, no, I understand. I totally understand. Now I think that it's interesting. I, you know, I've listened to many of his, podcasts and um i obviously i think deepak has you know his observations of spirituality and i have my own and and other but i think in general it's sort of this larger consciousness that uh space and time and energy and matter and the universe and and that we are existing as this uh infinite uh spirituality that is in this very finite body that we have and that our human experience is often a very disruptive experience. And, you know, our, it's, it sounds different. I know I've had many different podcasts I've had, and I've had some feedback from uh, the guests and listeners that I end up becoming whatever the person I'm talking to kind of, I, 
meld into that. But this is a topic I certainly greatly enjoy, like many of them speaking about, because I like to reflect and I like to ponder about my own existence. And is that something that you're doing on a regular basis for yourself? I feel like I am now. I feel like I'm learning a way to always see a different perspective, change my perception of what I think is real and Mm. really kind of question quote unquote uh, normal and reality. Um, Mm. I have, we use the word normal and I always ask people to define it. Mm. And they're like, well, it's, it's just normal. It's, it's what it, it's just what it is. And I said, well, well, let's, you know, let's go a little deeper. I mean, what is normal for one person to the next? Uh, And, you know, as you were saying, life, we are in this finite body. Um, They say that life is happening for us, not to us. And how can we embrace that even more in this space and, Hmm. and potentially, you know, help others and potentially take it with us, you know, whether, whether some believe, um, you know, in afterlife or going to heaven or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, a reincarnation or whatever it may be. Right. Um, or even, you know, even going back into the ground and becoming the tree or the fruit or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, What is normal? What is that? What, how do you define that? I don't, uh, I, Mm. because I don't, I don't feel like there is a normal. I think normal is a, is a word that, uh, keeps us inside a box. I think, um, people use it, or and and myself have used it before as something to because we're we're in that comfort zone and um you know we might be a little afraid to to step out and i i really words have power and normal is one of those words that can take you either a uh, it can take you in one of two directions. And um, I really feel that, that it, that it can hold people back. Hmm. In what ways? Well, so I guess if I were to say being normal, um, you know, a, we have 10 fingers, 10, Supposedly, a normal human being has <laughs> two eyes, a, you know, a nose, a mouth, 10 fingers, 10 toes, two legs, two arms, right. a torso. But what about the what about those that either don't have that? They were born without it. They, mm-hmm. you know, something happened. Are they not normal because they don't have what is, quote unquote, they're supposed to have or... Is it, but the body still functions. I mean, the body's so resilient that it's like, I don't need it anyway. So yeah, we're just going to function without it. And is that not normal? Right. 
I think it's interesting. I think that it's can be very contextualized to environments and places. Now, now someone may grow up with a tremendous amount of gun violence and death in their community, and that is normal behavior for them mm. in that environment, or grow up in lots of wealth and getting anything you want and having the biggest homes, and that may seem very normal to you based off of where you're at. So what is it, <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and how does it change when you are taken out of that environment? How can you, how do you react or how do you respond when something is different? Um, yeah, I would, I, I think it's interesting. I don't think I've ever had this conversation before. I mean, you may have had it with others, but I, I would certainly would say this is very fascinating to me because I think that when it's kind of the fish out of water idea, you're not used to swimming in the same area. And then when you're put into a different area, you are on so many ways forced to examine what is normal in your life and what is not mm. for that. And I think that's a very jarring experience for people, which is why I think it's often people do not travel outside of their 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 reality, their their normal, their reference point, because it's very difficult many times to assimilate to a new reality or to a new normal if, in that sense. And so people are often almost um, feel bet. I don't know if it's feeling better, but almost this, this pull towards taking uh, a loss, even in the face of improvement. If let's say that the situation will improve their situation, they may still go with what they perceive as normal because it's comfortable. Even if it's uncomfortable or maybe not the best, people often will stay in uncomfortable situations because it's what they identify with on a regular basis. And the, you just identify what is your identity. Um, you know, when you mentioned people growing up in neighborhoods with gun violence and, you know, those that grew up around man mansions, what, mm -hmm. what is, what do they identify with? How do they describe themselves? How do they really see themselves? And does it actually match with their environment? You know, mm. some, some people that grow up with gun violence and, and in, you know, uh, less wealthy neighborhoods, might not identify with that, but they don't know. So that's where that disconnect is. And they don't yes. necessarily know how to get out because everyone around them is like, well, this is, this is who you are. This is what you are. You don't belong somewhere else. And so, yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. That is fascinating to me because I feel like I've met many people throughout my life who were from certain environments and they did not feel comfortable being from those environments. And in a sense that they didn't identify with being in that environment. Um, but I think there's a, just a tremendous pull to be, people get pulled into a certain environment that maybe they grow up in or whatever, and they, they don't know how to, and maybe they're so young, they just don't have the tools to understand how to escape it or be, become the person that they're supposed to be. But their situation is pulling them like a magnet and gravity pulling them to the ground and say, you must stay here. This is what you're supposed to be. And, and in their mind, they're like, I am not this. This is not me. 
And I think that is a very difficult situation. Uh, like I've talked to many people about the difficulties of um, if you're born into a family that is very abusive and uh, not encouraging and very volatile, you are fighting an uphill battle from the beginning of your time. And, not, and, and then there's people who have these very loving and kind and amazing childhoods. And I feel very fortunate. I was one of those people. I had that. But what if I didn't? Would I have the courage to become the person that I am now? I don't know. And I think people are fighting those battles throughout the world on a regular basis. I completely agree. And another word you just mentioned is that I use in my practice uh, is, is battles. You know, we, we think of battles as, as war or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, violence and, and really what if we stepped into a battle, but we were solid, like we were, we mm. were grounded and we knew exactly how to fight that battle. And this could be, you know, anything from what to eat <laughs> to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to what to drink to, um, you know, how, am I exercising, you know, at this moment? what if we were so strong in the conviction that we took these battles and we didn't even have to think about it? And the, and the violence aspect wasn't necessarily, it was more of, of the strength and the power versus the violence. Right. These are fascinating things. This is why I like doing this. I think I get, we get into very engaging conversations and understanding, you know, our, our different realities. You know, I think, you know, we're in an age of uh, an information battle. And actually, I was listening to a podcast which was talking about um, that a lot of, um, and this is, I'm sure, very controversial, you know, with, you know, politics and information and what's being put out to the voter public at large. And, and now that a lot of the algorithms and systems of online, people are programming them to provide disinformation to mm. the voting public towards their behavioral tendencies mm. and, and their behavioral tendencies online with other people. Uh, which is a very interesting conversation, I think, because we're all living in an age where we're consuming that information and that there are people and there are systems that are, in a sense, monitoring that behavior and saying, how do I, how do I provide this person information that will persuade them to, say, purchase this product or believe in this idea or... Um, and vote for this thing or that thing. What do you think about that? Wow, that's a uh, that's a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming with big ideas today, big things. I love it, um, and that is such so <laughs> great question. Um, there, so there, there is a, a big brother. You know, I mean, regardless of of whether everything that we have you know, from our televisions to our phones to our computers has a little camera, mm-hmm. you know, it's got the microphone, it, 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 our pictures, everything is in this 
in this cyber space for really anybody to to get to. Right. Um, you know, you can have all the privacy and all the non-virus and non-hacker and, you know, the, I, I don't think that really matters anymore. I think everything's just out there. And if you don't want it out there, don't put it anywhere near. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Keep it um, to yourself. Yeah. Yes. Um, yet you're exactly right. The, the information age and, and the algorithms. And as I was saying before, words are powerful. And every time we look at social media or uh, listen to podcasts, every time mm-hmm. we, um, you know, really engage in, you know, even a comment on, on a social media post, we are putting ourselves in, in a, in a a completely different realm. And as you were saying, it's all psychological. They, they do, they program things around, okay, well, she looked at this post for 0.3 seconds. She looked at this post for 30 seconds. Let's give her more of the 30 second vibe mm. than the 0.3 second vibe. Does that, is it, is it psychological warfare? You know, do, or, or do we, how do you, how do you protect yourself in, in what you consume? Um, and mm. that, and that goes for even, um, as you're saying, the food we consume, the programs we watch, the music we listen to, uh, anything that, that we are putting into or onto our bodies, um, from suntan lotion to, you know, perfume, how is that all reaching our tiny little cellular uh, <laughs> organisms and, and, and affecting us? Um, I don't know if I answered your question, but. Oh, it's okay. It's, uh, it's ideas. It's thoughts, you know, <laughs> running thoughts. And I think that, um, I've, you know, I think there's a common thread in each of the episodes that I've had so far on my podcast. I think I talk about social media literally, literally every time, and I hope it doesn't bother people. But if it does, I can't, can, you know, whatever. Um, but I think it's because it's so become one of the universal things of our lifetime and that the broad usage of it and my take on it in this version of this podcast, because it's a different reality of my podcast every time I do one. It seems to, I become different every time that I I gain more information. I grow each time. And, uh, you know, I think I started thinking about these things when if you start really noticing behaviors online and that, like, if you look up, like, let's say, flights to a certain location in the world, and then you go back on the Internet and all of a sudden there's ads about the place that you just were looking up. And he goes, wait a minute, how do you know that I, it's like it's feeding you your behavior. You said you wanted to, you were looking up a flight to go to Montana. So every time you go on the internet, I'm going to put an ad on there that says, you know, here's cheap flights to Bozeman or this and that. And I think I started really recognizing that a few years ago. I'm like, okay, this is interesting marketing and that they're, they're looking at my behavior and what I'm doing online and then feeding me more of it because they think I like it and that would lead to my consumption of it. And I think that we are generally but very unaware of that stuff. 
in the larger sense and that we just consume without being aware completely. I mean, some people do, they consume and they don't care, but I think often it's a very mindless consumption of the, of the social space. And I'm not sure where that leads for us. So it's just kind of a question. Where, where does that lead? Where do, where do you see that? Once again, great question. <laughs> and you, you're, you're, you're hitting these, these keywords. So you used mindless consumption. Mm-hmm. And I feel that we are as connected as we can be, as connected as we are, we are so, dis- so much more disconnected because we, as you're saying, we don't even realize who we're connecting to. We don't realize kind of what we're connecting to. We don't even know if that person that we're connecting to, one, is a real person. True. Is who they say they are, um, is, you know, there's just, you just don't know anymore. Um, And... Does that scare you that that there's quite a bit of profiles and things online that are actually just bots? Oh my gosh, completely. It, it doesn't scare me to the point of, of not going online mm-hmm. or, you know, not using social media, but it does give me a little bit more of a, a stronger urge to look into that person. Uh, mm. Like in what way? Look into them in what way do you mean that? Well, it, you know, for instance, I mean, I, I look myself up and I have, um, you know, it, it has my business and it has, um, you know, my background. And I mean, if people really want to pay, then they can find out where I live and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, you know, just kind of a general sense of, of is this person, um, is this person real? Like, is this person an actual Mm-hmm. person versus an automated conversation or an automated yeah. um, something. <sighs> These are <What's>... jarring things, right? <laughs> These well, are it, mind thinking, you know, it's like they are. And, and what scares me is that. So when I was younger, you know, we didn't have this and I know, I swore that I would never say, you know, well, when I was, when I was right. your age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't imagine growing up in the world today and having the social media be what it is and have the, and, and the effects that it has on, mm. on even younger children and, and even older adults and, and what is happening because of that? Because of a non-human connection, we're not even we're not even realizing that you know our anger, our frustration, our emotions are coming out through this through a, a you know thirteen-inch screen or a four-by-seven screen, and really how that still affects the other person on the other side. Right. 
I think it's a very interesting time we're living in. I, I also agree. I think it'd be very interesting. It'd be, I can't imagine. I didn't grow up with any of this stuff. Um, I was kind of on the cusp of it coming together in a very rudimentary way. But within the past 20 years, it has accelerated in a tremendously huge fashion. And now it's pretty endemic of our, of our way of living with it. So I always wonder what are the, and anything that is new that becomes adopted widespread, I always wonder what are the unintended consequences of maybe the convenience of something that can be really amazing, but also what are the problems that it creates that we didn't see particularly coming. And um, I don't, I, I think, I think the, the thought process, if I just really thought about it may have been, Hey, let's connect more together. Let's, you be able to connect with people all over the world and not have this distance cause this ocean of divide for us. And I think in many ways that for me, at least personally, that, that has been extremely helpful. I've been able to speak with so many people that I would have never had an opportunity to even know existed without um, the internet. But the opposite is that if you look at a lot of research and things are going on is human beings are more lonely than they've ever been in their existence even with all of the connection. And I think that's a trigger point for me. Um, and I know when I started seeing those things, it made me want to reach out to people like yourself and all the wonderful people that I've met in my life throughout the years to say, okay, okay, let's, let's get back to talking to each other, real people, real conversations, honest conversations with other real life human beings. And, and let's use the internet as a way to as a, a pulley system to pull real humans towards each other, not feel lonely because we're experiencing a pretty credible crisis of loneliness among people. And I, I experience it with other people all the time where I reach out to them and they're very hesitant to talk to me extremely. And they think that I'm selling them something or they think that I have this weird motive. And unfortunately I'm paying for the behavior of other people who maybe are preying on other people using the internet as a, a device for getting close to people for the wrong reason. So it's just, it's just an interesting time to be in, you know? It is. It, and as you're mentioning that people are hesitant to leave, you know, the, the comfort of their, you know, small town or, mm -hmm. or even their country. And yet we have, we have the ability to literally go so far. I mean, we can, you, you don't have to leave your house really anymore. And I think, <laughs> right. I, I mean, it's true. to go grocery shopping. Oh my to... gosh. I'm used totally said something <laughs> that cracked. So my client today, I was training her and she said she hadn't been to the grocery store in two months. I said, what, what are you talking about? She goes, oh, I use that Amazon Now or whatever it is, and uh, Prime Now, where you you know it gets the groceries for you and delivered to you. I said, it does. I didn't know this occurred. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're all gonna be living in our houses and never leaving one day. You know. Yes, and and that's that's the most amazing thing is we're we're not like we're we're social and we're physical beings like. We have to move in order for our bodies and our brains and our minds to work. 
And right. there we're coming up with things that we don't, we don't have to do anything. <laughs> and, you know, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so where, you know, how do you like, where do you think that how, where, what, in what like line in the sand would you draw? Yeah, good question also. Um, and actually, you're, I think we're thinking so much alike on this. It's very interesting. I had a thought in my mind, and that mind, that thought in my mind was same, I, literally almost the same thing. What's the line in the sand? Where does the comfort of convenience become a comfort of um, atrophy, in a sense? Mm. Um, what's the... What's the tipping point, the, the critical mass where getting groceries or, and I'm not diming that up because there are legitimate reasons people need to get that. Maybe they're not able to and stuff. And, and my friend had a very legitimate reason when she told me, I was like, oh, that makes sense. But where, what is the, what is the critical mass point where you're just, this is preventing you from moving, preventing you from being active and charging your brain and your mind and your spirit. I think yeah, I think it's like anything. I was talking to my wife about this. I said any anything in your life, you want to be very good at it. You want to have and you want to be genuine about it. You have to have boundaries with it, and you have to. Have, and that boundary can is often a system. And often when I talk to people and mentor them, I'm like, well, "What's your system? How do you go about making decisions?" What gives you the sense to make good decisions? How do you remember things? How do you follow through on activities? And they're often like, oh, well, I just, you know, I just do stuff. I'm like, that's not anything. I don't know what that means. <laughs> just do stuff. I mean, that, that means you don't have a system. So your accomplishments are on a whim, which will only get you so far in your human existence. And so what is the system? And I think we don't really have a system in place currently to draw the line. So, but I often think, and I've, I've heard this and I've spoken of this is that we've been given a tremendous power and we in no way earned it at all. We just were given an iPhone, pretty easy to get up, upgrade your iPhone or Samsung, whatever you're using and you use it and there's no manual. You just use it. And I often think when you were given, when you don't earn something and it's just given to you, you go crazy with it. You don't, you don't go, oh man, I spent all this time trying to earn this thing. And I worked all these shifts and this jobs just so I could afford to go on this, this adventure or to buy this thing I really wanted. And, and often right now what we're seeing is these devices and things we're using, we, had, we did not earn them. They just literally, as I told my wife, this device, the, phone, the smartphone has crossed all socioeconomic lines. People who are in poverty, middle class, upper, upper middle class, filthy rich, all have phones, all have smartphones. It is not for a certain demographic of person. It has become adopted by everyone, literally, for the most part in the world. And none of us earned it. We just, it's a great invention. And, then for, and, and the genius behind it is that it was able to be adopted by almost all human beings, literally. It's pretty amazing if you think about it in the sense, but I think the the line in the sand, I'm not sure that we have figured that out. And for me, I think it's it's being very deliberate 
you know, I often leave my phone. Um, like when I go out to dinner, I leave it at my house. My wife takes hers and I have to like not have it on me. Basically, I have to like throw it somewhere and forget <laughs> that it exists. That's that's my system at this point. I will evolve on that, but that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. You're you're exactly right um, in the. It, where it used to be, okay, um, and, and and cars, you know, cars are, are right. still kind of that way. You know, um, th- there are, but the phone has definitely spanned, as you said, pretty much all, all human beings. When you mention systems, I always ask people about their philosophy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is the philosophy that they have on life and does that help in creating the systems that they do or do not have? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. You know, somebody else put it as what are my practices that I have mm. in life? I said, I think we're all speaking a very, we're, we're, we feel the same way, maybe different terminology or maybe different, maybe same terminology, however you want to put it. But I think there's a lot of um, a lack of good decision making, and especially with the technology we have, it's just, it's just what's guiding you in that, in that practice and your philosophy and what system is in place that allows you to be able to not, you know, it's good to have convenience. I'm not going to sit here and like, oh, I don't want to have convenience in my life. That's foolish. I want to have some things be convenient and I want to enjoy you know, the increase in technology. Listen, I want to have, I don't want to live like I'm in like 15 to 1500s. Why would I want that? <laughs> I, I don't want to be a caveman. You know, I don't want to like eat, you know, I'm not, I am okay with the modern technology and times I'm okay with it. I utilize it. I just think that there's, there has to be some level of, as you said, you know, wave to kind of, how do we not cross that line. And I'm just not sure we're very good at it right now as people. Actually, I think we're pretty bad at it. I don't think, and as you're saying, you know, imagine, so, you know, the telephone, we'll just say, Mm -hmm. you know, it went from, okay, a rotary phone to a push button to, (laughs) you know, but it was still kind of hooked onto the wall and you had Bell Atlanta come out or, you know, right. Whoever, (laughs) you know, you, you finally got the conference call. You could talk to like three people all at once. And that lasted for how long, you know, what, 70 years. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. And then in this past 20 years, like, I mean, we've gone from, okay, you know, where you're carrying the battery pack for the phone to literally (laughs) everybody has some sort of device. And I think with that short of period of time, we we don't even realize that that all of this has happened in such a yeah. a, a crazy short span and i i don't think we even have a had a chance to process like oh yeah. my god I, like my groceries can be delivered and and therefore that frees up my time <laughs> to yeah. you know maybe spend time with the kids or mm-hmm. um you know maybe go for a walk or, or do whatever else that, you know, I wouldn't, that I'd have to go grocery shopping. Um, so for sure, like, I think the conveniences can be a blessing. Um, and, and yet 
I, I think you're exactly right. I think we have to unlearn some habits and relearn kind of what will be most beneficial for us to use those conveniences. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, if you, if you get into something really quick and it comes to you very fast and it feels really good and it's amazing, it almost, it turns off the kind of your reasoning center initially because it's so great. And then wow. once you stabilize with that, then you start, you start kind of saying, okay, where am I with this? What does this mean? I, this may sound funny, but I, my, I immediately go to being in love. And initially, when you're in love with someone, you're basically your prefrontal cortex is basically dead in the water. I mean, <laughs> you're like literally all gushing and a huge, you know, blabber of emotion and, and just, just, oh, you're over the moon, right? And that's why they always call that kind of the honeymoon period, this kind of uh, you're all over each other. This you, you don't make a lot of the best decisions during that time. Uh, you're often just caught up in this very euphoric experience. And then you land that ship back onto Earth at some point. <laughs> and then you go, okay, I have, I have this wonderful thing. I perceive this thing to be wonderful. What is the reality of this going to be like moving forward in my life? So that euphoria of let's say a wedding or falling in love to me that's that's not the real life of of being with somebody marriage or a long-term partnership how you look at yourself with this person over 15 20 30 years that becomes the real challenge of it and maybe that's a bad analogy but i look at it with technologies you get it you get the phone you're, you're like oh my gosh this is amazing i'm gonna get all these apps i'm gonna do all these things and you're in this euphoric mode and then at some point i would think that our collective consciousness as humans would go okay let's slow down on this and i think in some way we are trying to do that with what i've seen out there there's there's definitely more information about detoxing from phones and all this stuff out there but i think we're we've been in this lovey love phase this super honeymoon phase and then people are starting to wake up and be like okay this thing's amazing but we got to get a leash on it <laughs> we, we, we can't we gotta we gotta figure out how to live with this over a long period of time because more than likely we're married to this pretty pretty long time the form of the phone will change you know maybe there'll be you know a chip or glasses whatever but this technology is going to continue to move so it's how do you operate within that relationship both of those are relationships and how do you operate in a long-term relationship with something I think is very critical. I mean, and I've been married for, it'll be 15 years this month, in the middle of this month coming up. And I think, how did I, how have I operated this over this many years? <laughs> you know. I absolutely love that. Was that crazy what I just said or no? No, <laughs> no. I I literally like I have goosebumps. It oh. resonates with me so and I think it's the perfect analogy. Oh, awesome. To yeah, to really how how to navigate in a relationship that you have whether it 
be with someone you love or whether it be with a technology that you like, as you're saying that you're having this almost love hate relationship with because (laughs) it's so like it opens so many doors, but then you're like, Oh my God, I just spent six hours looking at this (laughs) thing. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Like I can't get that time back. How did I do that? You know, (laughs) it's so weird. Like I have, (laughs) I have this almost existential crisis with, with um, technology. I mean, I swear I do. It's like a daily, like (gasps) devil on one shoulder, angel on the other, because I know it's going to stay. I understand that there are forces of those people and minds who are, dedicated tremendously to moving our society forward and the technology and the monetary gain and all that behind it. So I'm like, this is going to be here. Everybody has a phone. I'm going to continue to have this, but I also don't want to be part of it in the same way, but I can't be completely off of it. Cause then I'll be like, literally like in a box somewhere not knowing anything that's going on. I'm like, how do I, how do I do that? How do I exist in that? And that's why I kind of think the, the marriage thing or the love aspect of it is very similar because once you move out of that phase, this super over the moon phase, you move into this reality of, I have to exist with this person. I want to exist with this person over many, many years and they're going to grow. I'm going to grow. Technology is going to grow. It's going to change. How do we continue to be in love with this, but also have a reasonable idea of, moving forward, having reason while being in love with these technologies or in this relationship of a, of a person that you're in love with. And I just see it very similar to that. Honestly, I never thought about it this way until we had this conversation <laughs> literally just sprung up. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but it is completely, I, like I said, it's, it, I, I, and I'm, I'm literally like, my mind is, is just going at a thousand miles a minute. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, that is so true. Like how I relate to, you know, my husband and, and how we have, have, you know, grown to, we've, we've each grown separately right? and we are navigating this interim of growing. Like we've, we've been together. I don't even know. Uh, I don't know how long. <laughs> Come on, get it right. <laughs> I, I know, right. <laughs> I think 18 years. All um, right. Wonderful. <laughs> um, and, and yeah. And how we've, how, where we have taken it and how the, not necessarily compromising. Cause I don't, I don't know if I believe completely in compromise. Mm-hmm. I think it has to be a, a growth together, like a, a seeing of, of both points and, and an understanding versus a compromise. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I never heard it from that point of view. So what is it about that compromise that you don't embrace? I, I'm not saying that I embrace it. I just, I'm not heard of this point of view so much. So yeah. I'm interested to hear more. Well, I feel with compromise that, that you're, there's you're each still giving up something. So instead of maybe not necessarily giving up something, 
it is learning how to to see the other person's point of view or, or perspective and and maybe embracing that versus trying to give up one aspect of either yourself or the your partner's self. Mm. Interesting. So, so do you feel like that in maybe I don't not not sure if it's the right way to phrase it, people you've seen or just in general commentary or society that people often they compromise, they give up something in their relationship in order to push to try to push it forward in their mind? Completely. Yeah. Yes. Um and I think that I think that's what what takes a lot of relationships out of um out of a relationship. Um you know, and, and causes resentment and anger and um, frustration. Totally. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, this feels like a very fluid move into this part of life. I did not expect to talk to you about this, but that's good. That's why I like these things is I was listening to another podcast and I'm a big podcast junkie. And it was about, I think it was on NPR. It was like human brain or something like that. And it was talking about marriage and the concept of marriage and kind of the origins of marriage was it but also about how we have we have placed unrealistic expectations of marriage on people and society in a sense that that many of today's people look at marriage as this person will complete me this person will fill in all these gaps in my life, they will be my best friend. They will be all this, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not a big proponent of that. Actually, I I didn't get married to my wife so that she'd become my best friend and you know fill in these gaping voids or something that I may have had in my life <laughs> or that. But I, I think that there's there's a there's a large faction of human beings that are they they're asking almost too much of the person that they're with, in my opinion. Um, and then that can be one of the reasons why it fails for them is they're looking for this person to become their everything instead of somebody to grow through things with, grow with through life and, and to let allow the other person to grow, each person to grow separately, but together in this interesting, weird loop of connection over time, you know? Right. Um, and the, I feel like um, marriage should be more of a compliment yes. uh, versus a completion. And Ooh, I like that. Wow, a compliment versus a completion. That's nice. If, if we... So if we use another person to fill the void, it's almost the same as using food, using drugs, mm. um, substances, exercise, whatever it may be. Right. If we can be whole within ourselves, then we not only get to have that person and, and like fulfill their joy, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a different feeling completely. Um, in that relationship. How much have you grown or how different do you see yourself from when you were first married to where you are now? 
Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know how to do it in, (laughs) (laughs) in spatial words in uh, a a thousand times uh, different. Not only, I think, um, I, I think there were some things that happened um, early in our relationship. My, my mom passed away when we first started dating and um, I don't think I ever processed that. And, and that was, that was a difficult thing um, for the relationship, I think. Right. And so in growing, in growing myself and in, in, in watching him grow and then in, in coming together through all of the adversity that, that, you know, was brought on by our environment and by ourselves and, and things of that nature. It's a really special time to look back and, and you're, you're like making me kind of really reflect on it now. Of Oh my gosh. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything yet. I wish I had had more awareness to, to, to have that focus. So I could have been more present earlier on. If that makes sense. No, it it makes sense. Um, It'd be interesting how you would have gained that during that time. You know, because you're in that time. Sometimes right. it's, I often think about the person I was and the person I am. And I think the person I was when I got married was very similar deep down. And a lot of my, um, just my personality has been, has been very similar since I can remember. But I think the way I think about things has changed dramatically over the past 15 years. Um, I feel that um, I I am definitely a more encouraging person. This this version of myself, the chapter three version of myself. <laughs> I look at it. I look. It's kind of like very sports uh, textbook thing. But this chapter three version of myself is a much kinder, gentler, um, more social version of my twenty three year old self, which was wanted to be that badly wanted to be that but i didn't know how to do that and and so i had to learn how to unlock that version of myself and chapter 1 going on 2 i was very much learning how to become this person that i i saw myself being but i was in this box and i was just trying to escape this box and i imagine myself in this box and my hands thumping the wall trying i can't i can't get this you know, lid off of this box and I'm kicking the walls and I'm trying to figure out like, how do there's this, this inside me. I've told this to many people. I'm like, the person I am now was inside me. It was literally, I could feel it inside me. Sounds maybe weird, but I could literally feel it trying to escape out of me. And I badly wanted to let it escape. And when I was in college, I tried to do many things 
positive things to make that escape. And so I took basic counseling. I had a shrink for six months. I, I took uh, public speaking. I did all these different kind of things to, to unlock this person. And it came and it definitely started pouring out when I was like 24, 25. It be, I began, I, I came out of, I came out of the ground and I saw a new world and I immediately started attacking that world with the person I knew I was supposed to be after that. And I told my wife the other day, I said, I'm very happy to be who I am now because it was the person I saw myself being when I was in my early twenties. She was like, you knew that? Like you could see that? I said, yes. I, I'm telling you, I was trying badly. Ever since I was in high school, I knew it. And I just, I just was trying to figure out the way to do it. <laughs> Maybe that's a creepy story. I don't know. But it's no. just how I saw myself. And the, what I saw is the, what I wanted to come to fruition came true for me. And, I, and what you're saying is, is exactly the way I think everyone feels like it's not, it's not a creepy story. It's, it's people need to hear that because there is this, this, this true self inside and, and we have to put on, you know, these social faces for, you know, whatever situation we're in, Mm. whether, you know, we're with the family, whether we're, you know, at the gym, whether whatever situation it is, there's always, there's always those little masks that we have. And, and I don't know if we ever truly get to feel ourselves until we make that decision. Like you said, you found it at 24, 25. You're like, all right, this is who I know I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And it's the most amazing thing. I like, I say, I wish I would have I wish I would have discovered it or discovered myself, I guess that, or allowed myself, like given myself permission to be who yes. I was yes. or am um, earlier. And yet I don't think I, I don't think I would have appreciated who I've become if I did. Yeah. If I did it earlier. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of it. It's like you said, I wish I was more aware back then. And I thought, well, how do you do that during that time? Right. You have the, you can look backwards and go, yes, I could see it. The hindsight of it. I'm like, yeah, I wish I was more aware. I'm like, how does that, how do you do that? I'm like, I, it's, it's an interesting conundrum in a sense. This, sometimes you gain the insight after having gone through it. Then you go, well, I, I wish I was more aware during that time. I wish I would have thought this way and be like, well, how could you have? During that time. For, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting. It's how we think. But I, I want to pivot a little bit because I saw something. I, I don't, I usually do not prepare for these when I have these podcasts. I like to be very just in the moment. It's one of the few things I do in my life where I'm like, I just want to be off the cuff. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a very, very much a planner, organizer. I'm, I like to be prepared and the whole thing. But when I speak to people, I am like, I don't know. We'll just see where this goes. It's it's beautiful to me. But I have to admit, I looked at your LinkedIn one time, one more time. I was like, let me look at Crystal's LinkedIn one more time just to see. Maybe I missed something from her past. That, and I saw this thing about that you did French studies. 
I <laughs> and I was very fascinated by that. I have no super interest in French culture, honestly, and all that. But I do think what is the reasoning behind someone majoring in French studies? It's just cur it's curious to me. So it's <laughs> it's very interesting. And I, unlike you, am someone who does not necessarily prepare. I, um, I just kind of fly out of the seat of my pants. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes that, that ends up well, and sometimes it does not. <laughs> right. Right. When I was in high school, uh, everyone was, you know, we had to take a, a foreign language and, Everyone was taking Spanish and I wanted to be different. So I took French when, <laughs> mm -hmm. when I got to college, um, I continued along. I went to a school in upstate New York and it had uh, wonderful, you know, environmental studies and um, biology. And I was going in that direction And then I had the opportunity to spend my sophomore and junior year of college in France studying. Wow. So absolutely 100% incredible and amazing experience. I, I had to come back. Well, I came back my senior year and I had to make a decision on if I wanted to kind of continue in by that time I was in, I think, um, athletic training and, or I could go with, um, finish the rest of my French classes, have a degree, graduate, and then kind of figure out life. And so I decided to, I had already pretty much finished a major and that I just had to finish out my senior year graduate and uh and then I actually wanted to go into the Peace Corps and travel and you know um kind of life changed so right I recently had the opportunity I live in Florida now and I I, I teach mindful performance and then I have yo regular yoga classes also and I had the opportunity there were some French Canadians And I got a chance to, to teach them in French. And they were very gracious. Oh, wow. My French is super rusty. Um, <laughs> their English was, you know, about the same as my French, but mm -hmm. we kind of intermingled. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I get to use my degree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, there, there was really no reason around it. Um, there wasn't, it was more of, I, it's a beautiful language. I loved the, I loved the, having the opportunity to be over there, but there was no like, Oh, I wanted to be a French teacher ever since I was five years old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just was so I'm looking at it. I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> French studies. Then knowing what I know about what you do. And I'm like, Where is where what was this like? I have to ask. I was the only thing that I was like. I know I'm gonna ask her about. I, I had to know. It was just on my mind, you know. 
No, I appreciate it. Um, I wish I had a, I wish I had a more fascinating story. <laughs> You're like, listen, this is what it is. It wasn't as cool as maybe you think it was, but yeah. I did some, I went some cool places. It was awesome. <laughs> exactly. And I, and that was my degree. And <laughs> Wow. I don't really know anybody that like focused on a, a language or a culture as their degree. And so I think that's what, fascinated me because I think, you know, so much of what I've seen in life are people getting into, let's say, college, going into things that is, oh, you need to do this because you'll make a lot of money. And, um, you know, kind of your science, technology, engineering, math route for a lot of people, uh, which I was definitely, uh, my parents were like, do whatever you want to do, man. Like, enjoy your life. Don't regret what you want to do. So I was very fortunate uh, with that. But I was like, French? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got to talk to Crystal about this. Yes. Um, and, and that was, I did have, uh, my parents were very open to uh, allowing me, you know, they never um, said that... It, now, after I graduated, mom said, okay, well, now you have a degree, so you have to start paying your own bills. Mm -hmm. But she never forced me into, you know, a doctor or, you know, whatever role that she thought I was, I was supposed to do or, or, yeah. you know, would, um, which was, which was nice. Um, so, but yeah, that's. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't know. I was like, man, I. I mean, I would have never thought to talk to you about this if I didn't go back and look at it. But I was like, huh, it's just uh, I like to I think over time for me, what is something that in my behavior that has grown is that I was ex an extremely rigid person in probably high school, or early 20s. And I, that was part of my thing. I didn't like that. I mean, I thought there were some positives to, you know, in terms of getting things done. But I knew there was this like this fun, good time guy in there. Who, who was very social and wanted to meet with people <clears throat> and do these types of things. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm learning more about just like, hey, let's just have these conversations and let's just relax. Let's just learn. And so it's kind of like every person that has come on the show, like there's some degree of nervousness or some degree of like, and you didn't do this, but, you know, wanting to know questions ahead of time. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, we're just going to wing it. And it always comes out super beautiful. It becomes this, this, uh, this, it starts with this caterpillar and it becomes this butterfly and, and everybody's just talking openly and freely and honestly. And, and I think that makes it good, uh, in that way. And, uh, so I've had some pretty stirring conversations, like very difficult, beautiful, joyful, hard, challenging and I think it, it has come across as the people who listen to it they feel it during it and that's what I wanted yeah I've listened to some you know because I I wanted I wanted to be a little prepared <laughs> you want some research Just, on me huh? <laughs> <laughs> no but but I was listening to to some of your you know the earlier podcasts yeah. from you and it it is like there is no um, better way to have just a, just a conversation. And I say, and I don't mean just a conversation because yeah. I, I don't necessarily like using that word, but 
there's no better way to feel the authenticity of somebody than through this medium. And right. you've just presented um, just so many people and you have just really, it's been a very special, it's been a very special time, I guess. Um, and, and I just appreciate you bringing this to everybody, um, you know, to thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's necessary and, and people's stories <clears throat> need to be told and, and you have to, you know, there's, there's nothing weird or, or, you know, not normal about anything, I don't think. And yeah. um, I just, I am, I don't know. I'm honored to hear your, your viewpoint. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, I think you'll see if you, if you continue to listen and, you know, hear some stuff from time to time and you, I always work, I, you know, this is my, not necessarily rigid, but just my organizing. Like I, so I'm like, oh, this is not my job. It's just, you know, something I'm very passionate about doing, but I always treat the things that I do for my hobbies and passions like they're my job anyways, still. So I've been very organized with the podcasts and interviews. I'm doing all these interviews pretty regularly because I have the time to do them. And um Man, it's it's just been a, a tremendous privilege, and um, I think uh, I'm going to connect you with somebody. I think you know, you know, that's my thing. You know, I like to connect people, <laughs> and uh, there's someone whose whose podcast is coming up that I think you would tremendously identify with. I think you two are kindred spirits completely, and oh her her name is Michelle Collins. Her podcast is going to rip your heart out. I'm oh. telling you, like it is like so emotional. I cried during it. She cried one time. Like it was like bare your soul time, you know, and I had met her not that long ago. And just the, uh, the amount of tragedy she's gone through to have the joy she has, it will blow you away. It will, I said, I, we need to know your story. The world or whoever listens to this needs to hear your story because it is extremely powerful um and uh i don't know i thought about you too during it not that i know that you've experienced all this stuff you know but i just think you have a similar soul to this person and i think you two would have a very engaging incredibly powerful conversation together but uh, definitely listen to that podcast one of the most powerful things I've been a part of. And wow. uh, we, we did the podcast on purpose. I asked her, I talked to her beforehand. I said, I, you know, these are very difficult things to discuss. I said, would you mind discussing it on my podcast? Because I think it would be, it was going to save somebody's life. It's going to help somebody feel like they're not in the dark. And she said, yeah, I'm willing to do it. And I, I think she, she was so brave to tell all these things and, and in tremendous, I'm not going to give it away because it's so amazing, but in tremendous depth, like gritty wow. detail, which you don't get with people generally. You know, we like to speak around each other a lot with other human beings. We beat around the bush. We saw oh, bad stuff happen and nobody wants to talk about it. But we need to talk about it. We need to get things out. We need to have conversations that are real and honest and, and difficult sometimes. And uh, 
I think she embodies what I've been in, enjoying about the show is playfulness sometimes, hurt, hurtful feelings, going through those sometimes, um, challenging times, you know, striving, and all in a very unscripted format that feels very real. Even from like when we get on the phone, I'm going to edit out some of the, you know, some of the static and stuff in the beginning, but just to like, Hey, Crystal, are you there? And all that, like, that's real. That's a real conversation. Right. You know? <laughs> it's not like I put, I'm not going to put something in there. That's like today. Oh man, Crystal. But I put I do a little introduction and just to say who you are and all that. But then it just rolls into like, Hey, pick up the phone. We're having a conversation. That's what it's supposed to be. You know? No, I love it. And you are the super connector. That's <laughs> like, that should be your, your, that's your superhuman power. I think so. <laughs> I think I've embraced it because my wife's always like, that's your gift. Like you, you connect other human beings to each other and then you help them tell their story. And I said, this is why I like this podcast. I literally felt like there was a ton of bricks on my head. And there was a voice saying, you must do this. You must do this. And I just followed it. And I said, you know what? I don't know how to do this. I've never done a podcast. I don't have any equipment. And I just researched it. I looked it up. And it was, it was this driving force pulling me like a tractor beam towards doing it. And I said, I know a lot of people. I love these people. I want these to be more than just behind the scenes conversations, which I still have but I want these stories to be told. And man, there's some crazy stories and it's affecting people in a very real way. I mean, one person I interviewed, her name's Lauren Rothfield. She's just out of college. She's, she's trying to figure out who she is. She's a basketball player. Her mom is one of my biggest listeners. Her mom. Wow. She listens to this show, like every new episode, she listens in her car on the way to whatever she's doing. Like whatever, it's like her new thing. How does that happen? <laughs> it like because you put it like <laughs> you're putting it out there. Like you're it's amazing. That's crazy. It's awesome. It's amazing when it you do is. things. It's amazing. I'm like this woman who's got to be in her like, you know, 50s-ish or so, you know. Doesn't know me. I've never talked to her. She loves my my show. She listens to it all the time. People tell me they drive, they were driving on vacation. Somebody sent me, I went up to my lake house and I listened to a couple of your episodes all the way. It made the drive a lot easier. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, this is happening? That's pretty cool. You know? It, and this circles right back to the, the beginning of our conversation. You know, in, in this physical form, you're you're doing something much bigger than yourself yes and it's impacting more people than you probably will ever know and it, it's it's so necessary so needed and i, I just there there's no words almost i i just i can't even explain how important um the work that you do is Thank you. That means a lot. I really appreciate that, Crystal. And I know you're doing great work. And, you know, I see, you know, different posts and things that you're doing and um, just your kindness. I think the first time I spoke with you, I just recognized how kind you were and a great listener. Anybody who wants to speak to Crystal, she is an amazing listener. Amazing. And um, you're a very thoughtful person. 
And, you know, the, the wonderful thing about the, my podcast, I think for me and the great gift that I have is where I think maybe other sh people who have podcasts sometimes struggle with is finding guests. I have been so fortunate. I have no issue in that department <laughs> because I know gigantic amounts of people. I have this almost endless list of human beings that I can reach out to and say, hey, would you like to tell your story? And I wanted people to hear your story just about who you are and what you think about things in life. And, and, and not necessarily, I don't necessarily focus on like, hey, you have this company and you're doing these things this many times a week and you're meeting here. That's not the story to me. That story is you as a human being. And maybe that's part of obviously your business, but just conversational story and back and forth, you know? And I, I so appreciate that um, because I think that that is where a lot of people draw, you know, their business and, and their ethic and, you know, their, their whole entire personality from. And as you were saying, you know, you don't get a chance to really put your whole self out there. It's always the business aspect or, you know, yeah. whatever. And um, I just appreciate this was so I, I was a little nervous and this was just <laughs> so comfortable. And um, it, it was, it was just a really wonderful experience. That's so awesome. I'm glad that uh, you've enjoyed it. I am very thankful that you've been on with me. And um, I know that we will have other conversations outside of this continued. So thank you for your time, Crystal. And uh, I, I know you'll continue to, to affect a lot of people in a very positive way. Thank you, Darian. Oh, my gosh. I, it's, it's been a pleasure. And um, I look forward to our next conversation off air. <laughs> and you get, you got to listen to your, ep everybody gets nervous when they listen to their episode too. They always tell me like, oh, I don't know. Like, how do I sound? I'm not sure how that came out. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and you got to share it. Let it, that's the weird thing about technology, right? It's like, oh, this and that. But it's a great way to share it too to other people. So I'll put it right on as soon as, uh, as soon as it's live. <laughs> you got it. Thank you again, Crystal, and have a wonderful day. You also. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Talk soon. Gorgeous gaming, stunning streams, unbelievable bandwidth. It's another Lifestyles of Gagillionaires. Meet the AT&T Fiber customers winning at life with hyper gig speeds. Meet Gagillionaire Terry. While his love of streaming horror movies has him constantly on the edge of his seat, his internet bill won't give him a scare. Oh, don't go in there. I'm telling you. Because since Terry upgraded to AT&T Fiber with hyper gig speeds, he doesn't worry about data caps or equipment fees. Come on, man. The door's open for a reason. And best yet, he also doesn't stress about a price increase at 12 months. Because with the amazing Gagillionaire lifestyle comes an exquisite sense of tranquility. <laughs> Most of the time. Live like a Gagillionaire. Get straightforward pricing with AT&T Fiber. Internet that upgrades everything. No data caps, no equipment fees, and no price increase in 12 months. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergate for details. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower... Every 
Or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew. Cruising. You can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at AmFam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.